Hey there, it's Janie Porter, and this is She Just Glows, the podcast. I'm gonna help you find joy and purpose in your life just as it is today. Not tomorrow, not when life is perfect, not when you win a million dollars or your kids finally stop peeing on the seat, but right now. I'm a life coach, a writer, a wife, and a mom of four. And just like you, I spend my days fighting through the pressure to be thin, happy, and have the perfect house and the perfect life. But here's the thing, I've never found perfection. What I have found is that it's so much better to just be real. So grab a cup of coffee and join me like you would a girlfriend. We'll talk mom life, body image, letting go of the lie of perfection, and learning to thrive in the chaos of our world today. You've got your own life coach in your back pocket now. This is She Just Glows, the podcast. Welcome, guys. All right, so this is something that's really helped me on my journey with alcohol. Assigning neutrality to something that I wanna have a lot of judgments about. And I know that's just a lot of words right now. I'm gonna break all of this down, but this can help you in any part of your life where you have expectations about the outcome of something. For example, my life isn't supposed to look like this right now. My marriage should be different. See that? The should. The shoulds are always a sign that this is a practice that you can lean into to stop assigning value and judgments to things that you're doing. So I'm going to break all of this down, but it's really helped me. So I had to share it today. And I just love this title. Your drinking isn't good or bad. It's not. It's what you make of it. Okay. So what does this mean? For me, I realize... I attached so many judgments to my drinking, which rather than helping me not wanna drink, actually made me wanna drink more. So this is a very powerful tool to keep you on the alcohol-free or alcohol-moderated journey, or like I said, to apply to other aspects of your life. Um, So my name's Janie, if you're just joining us here, I'm a mom of four, I'm a joy coach, I coach women who are feeling stuck in life. It doesn't just have to be about alcohol. Some of my clients, we don't talk about alcohol at all. We talk about other things. And it's my honor and privilege to support my private coaching clients and to be here on the podcast with you. So if you're interested in working together privately, head to my website, shejustglows.com and um, look for my coaching page with all of the information there. So to make a long story short, I grappled with my love of drinking for several years. And I'm gonna tell you today, I love drinking. It's a good time. I had a lot of fun drinking. If you love drinking, I'm your girl. I am the girl who shows up to the get together with my favorite expensive tequila. I am the girl who always brings the drinks and brings the fun. That's me. If there is a way to supersize the fun, I want to do it. And for many years, alcohol brought that to my life. Alcohol made everything more fun. But what I found was I kept drinking more than I planned to, right? Because again, I don't want to stop. Alcohol is fun. I don't want to stop. When I stop drinking alcohol and I switch to water, that means the fun's almost over, right? So so I would constantly find myself the next morning feeling a lot of shame and a lot of regret. And while I loved my times drinking, it just became something that was taking more from my life than it was giving. And if you're there today, 
know that you're not alone. You can still grapple with this idea and sort of wrestle with these two themes of I enjoy drinking, but it also takes its toll and it's starting to feel out of alignment with who I truly am. And I'm gonna break a lot of these things down as we get into this episode. So a couple years ago, I woke up one morning in a particularly rough situation, really bad hangover, and I actually dive deep into this story in episodes two and three of this podcast. The title is something like, how I finally stopped drinking after seven years of thinking about it. So I, I woke up that morning and I said, I'm sick of feeling disgusting. I'm sick of waking up feeling this way. This is a horrible example that I'm setting in my family. But more than that, I was just tired of feeling like crap every few mornings because of my over drinking the night before. So I woke up that morning and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to promise forever. And I never have. And you don't have to either. But today I'm not going to drink. And I'm going to see how long I can take this. I was just so fed up at what alcohol was taking from my life. So that morning, I emailed someone I'd been following on Instagram. Her name is Heather, and you can find her at Ditched the Drink. And she became my 12-week coach as I started this process of detangling myself from my absolute love of alcohol. And Heather used to say something that was so prescriptive to me and really helped me change my approach to how I thought about alcohol. This is what Heather would say. It's not you, it's the alcohol. Well, what do you mean it's not me? Of course it's me. I'm so bad. I like to overdo it. I don't know how to stop. I have no self-control. Hear all these judgments that I'm assigning to myself there? That's not helpful. That's not helping you not want to drink again. It's making you want to drink more because you're shaming yourself so much. It actually does the opposite of what we think it will do, right? So Heather would say, it's not you, it's the alcohol. So if you really look at this, alcohol is the enemy. You are not the enemy, okay? And I want to take a look at what alcohol really is, okay? Eth- it's ethanol. Alcohol is ethanol, okay? Alcohol is ethanol, okay? Ethanol, like the gas, like in the gasoline that you put in your car, there's ethanol in that. Alcohol without additives is the same thing. It's ethanol. And this is part of what you put into your car so that it will drive. So I read this book, it's by Annie Grace, and it's called This Naked Mind, Control Alcohol, Find Freedom, Discover Happiness, and Change Your Life. And a lot of people who are on the alcohol-free journey or just curious about what alcohol really is have read this book. It's a great read if you're interested in this kind of thing. So I'm gonna be referencing this book a lot in this episode. So what she shares in this book is very informative. Alcohol, first of all, alcohol is the enemy. Alcohol increases cravings, but not pleasure, by releasing dopamine. And what does dopamine do? Makes us feel good, right? It artificially activates the pleasure center of your brain. So what happens then is your brain, your beautiful, amazing brain, tries to compensate which leads to tolerance. I mean, 
Are you the person who like, you can drink everyone under the table? I've never met anyone who can drink more than me, okay? So I understand this completely. So my brain's trying to compensate for this artificial activation of the dopamine by, by adding tolerance so that I can drink more. And overall, this numbs the pleasure center of the brain, which is why it takes more to feel like you're achieving the same feeling. What this does is it damages your prefrontal cortex, which then, oh, this makes sense. This is all connecting now. It damages your prefrontal cortex, which then decreases your ability to self-control. And what does that do? Well, obviously it makes it harder to say no, okay? I didn't need to read a book to tell you that. I know it's really difficult to abstain because I know how much fun alcohol is, but isn't it interesting to go through what alcohol really is and how it impacts the body here and how it's all a big cycle. Something else Heather used to say, my alcohol-free coach at Ditched the Drink, alcohol always wants more alcohol. And there is science behind that. After that initial tipsy feeling, it's not going to come back in quite the same way no matter how much you drink. But we try, don't we? But it's true. After that first 10 to 20 minute buzz, you're never going to feel that good again for the rest of the night. It's not going to be the same. You're going to get sloppier and you're basically drinking more to chase that initial rush, which then dulls your senses and your perceptions change. So doesn't this all really help piece together how it's not you, girl, it's the alcohol. And I'm going to get into how this all ties into why your drinking isn't good or bad. It just is, okay? Here's another reason alcohol always wants more alcohol. Did you know alcohol depletes your body of hydration? You probably did, right? Usually after a night of drinking, you have dry mouth, you need a lot of water, you feel very dehydrated, your skin might feel really sort of tight. Like I can't tell you how many nights I would have a bunch of vodka and I'd wake up in the morning and go, damn, I look pretty good right now. It's because the vodka sucked all the hydration out of my body. So it sort of de-bloats you sometimes. So alcohol depletes your body of hydration. So then what happens? You want to keep drinking. You think as you're drinking the next sip of alcohol subconsciously that you're satisfying this thirst, but of course you're not because after one drink, you're thirstier, two drinks, you're thirstier, and so on and so forth. So the biggest change for me came when I reframed how I viewed my drinking. And this is what I really want to dive deep into for this episode. There is another option, guys. And when you get here, it's going to totally change how you think about the way you drink. At least it did for me. What if you could just make it neutral? What if your drinking wasn't good or bad? It just is. It just is. So for me, when we start working together, and if you want to talk about alcohol in our private coaching sessions, we can totally do that. If you're not into that, that's fine. I have plenty of clients. We don't even talk about alcohol. We talk about other things that they need life coaching with, and we work through so many different um, themes in life, challenges, and I'm there for you every step of the way. We have a 45-minute Zoom session every week or every other week, and in between sessions, you can access me through an app called Voxer, which is 
basically a place where you can leave a really long voicemail for me and I'll respond to it when I can. So we're communicating in between sessions and it's such a great way to um, accelerate your progress and to be there for you in the moments that are in between sessions. So something that we do if we're talking about your relationship with alcohol is we'll start to formulate something that I call your facts list. The way I think about alcohol and cravings and urges, they change. Just like feelings, the urge to drink alcohol will come and go. You may not feel it in the morning, or you might, no judgment, but by the time five o'clock rolls around, you need a drink. Now, where is my wine glass? Where is the wine? Let's uncork this thing and get this night started. But if you wait a little bit, maybe you've tried this, after, I don't know, five minutes, or maybe 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe two hours, but eventually all cravings end. And so just like feelings and emotions, cravings change. They come and go. The reason we come up with a facts list when we are talking about reevaluating your relationship with alcohol is simple. Facts don't change. They're just the truth, no matter how I feel about them. So something on my personal facts list that I'll share with you today is this. And I have found this to be true from years and years of research at the bars, drinking vodka, drinking beer, drinking wine, drinking all the things. Here's something on my facts list. When I drink, it's never just one. When I drink, it's never just one. So here's how I reframed how I think about my drinking. My drinking isn't good or bad. It just is what it is. When I drink, I can say neutrally with no shame or judgment for myself. I never just drink one. It's just not how I do things. It's not how I do anything, actually. With everything I do, it's all or nothing. And a lot of my clients are the same way. And you might be too. You might be that girl who takes on everything and actually makes it look really easy. You have a lot of responsibilities, children, stuff going on, roles and commitments that most other women would really, really have a tough time managing, but you manage it all and you make it look pretty easy. What no one knows though is your secret weapon at the end of the day for taking it all on and being everything to everyone is being able to have a break from yourself and get really, really buzzed before you go to bed. No shame on that. Might just be what you do. The reason I'm getting into all of this is very, very simple. What makes us dissatisfied with our lives is not what happens to us in life. It's how we perceive what's happening to us in life. So I practice what I preach. I have my own life coach. And something that she and I work on quite a bit is detaching judgments from what's happening in my life. And I want to invite you to step into this practice in your life. And in particular, if it applies to you with your relationship with your drinking. If you are drinking, the reason that you're not feeling good about it is probably because you are assigning judgment 
And there is the option to not assign judgment. So like I said, when I drink, here's an example of how this plays out. When I drink, it's never just one, as I said earlier. This is how I do a lot of things. I go all the way. It's all or nothing. I don't do anything halfway. And I'm not showing up to have one drink. I'm showing up to have five or more. This is just what I do. And I've finally gotten to a place where I can say it's not good or bad. It's just how I do things. And I'm not going to judge myself or shame myself for that. So I do this with food too, guys. (laughs) I don't know if you do too. Think about other things in your life that you might approach in the same way as drinking. And maybe it can help you start to neutralize the way that you drink. So for me, here's an example, okay? We um, have three of our four kids in soccer right now. And as part of the little welcome backpack that they give you as you start the soccer season, you have your jersey, they give you a pair of shorts, probably some socks, and then they throw in some coupons, right? And I don't know about you guys, I am so cheap. I love a coupon. Not that using coupons means you're cheap. You're just, I like saving money, okay? Saving money is for me. I always say free is for me. So there's this coupon in there and it's buy one, get one pizza at this pizza parlor, okay? Now three of my kids got these. So you better believe a couple weeks later, I take my whole family and I'm like, hey guys, we have three BOGO coupons for pizzas. We're gonna walk out of here with six pizzas for the price of three, okay? So so we go to the pizza parlor and I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, you know, I don't need to eat like that much pizza. I'm not hungry right now, whatever. So I had, I don't know, a slice or two. My kids, my kids had more. We, we ended up bringing home four large pizzas because of course we, we'd eaten two in the pizza parlor and we had four to bring home, okay? Well, Once they were home, those four pizzas between myself, my four children, and my husband, they were gone in 36 hours. And I for sure, like one day, I just like every time I'd walk by the pizza box, I'd have another piece and I'd have another piece and it was delicious and I enjoyed it and I didn't feel bad about it. It just was me eating a lot of pizza because I just wanted to, okay? So... That's just how I do everything. I probably had eight or 10 slices over the course of the day. Is it overdoing it? Probably. It's just what I do. But you know what the thing about the pizza is? I've never sat on the curb and put my head in my hands and thought, oh my gosh, I am such a loser and a weak person for eating those eight to 10 slices of pizza every time I walked by the pizza box that day. I am such a bad person. I have no self-restraint. I will never change. This is such a bad reflection of me. I didn't do any of that with the pizza. So what I wanna ask you today, why do you need to do that about your drinking? Now, I'm not saying this to validate over drinking. I'm saying this to encourage you toward a different option, toward taking a break from drinking or just drinking less or just showing up and being curious about why you drink and when. This practice of not shaming yourself when you do actually helps in that process, which it's pretty counterintuitive, right? You would think that shaming yourself for the overdrinking and sitting on the curb and putting your hands, putting your head in your hands would help you not drink again and teach you a lesson. It's kind of like you're giving yourself your own spanking, right? 
doesn't work that way because it makes you feel like crap. And then what happens when we feel like crap? It just makes us want to drink more. So this isn't a linear process. It's a journey. But I have to tell you, play with it. And here's the key. Here's where you can arrive. You can learn to just accept the way that you drink. It doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean that you're resigning to it or you don't want to change. It just means that you accept that when you drink, maybe like me, you know it's never just one. So what this does is it helps us stop the shame spiral, which is a huge deal. Because as Annie Grace discusses in This Naked Mind, willpower eventually will be exhausted if you're trying to stop drinking. Okay, that's a proven fact. It's science. Scientists know willpower dries up. What you need to do is change your subconscious beliefs about alcohol. And this episode is all about doing that. Because it's a proven fact, your willpower will end. You cannot stop drinking based on your willpower alone. You must change your beliefs about drinking. So what if your drinking isn't good or bad? It's just how you drink. And you have a choice to just not do that. So maybe the shame spiral feels familiar to you. Okay, listen up. Overdrink, wake up feeling like crap, feel bad about it, shame spiral begins. I'm so bad, I messed up, I didn't do this perfectly, I'm so embarrassed. And then what happens? You want to drink again. We get tripped up when we make the drinking mean something. We attach judgments or labels to this thing that we did, and it makes the behavior become more ingrained in our consciousness. Basically, what I'm trying to say here in a nutshell, you aren't your drinking. You're you. It's not you. It's the alcohol. Alcohol always wants more alcohol. When the drinking means something, that's when the shame spiral takes over. So stop making it mean something. Once you strip back that false meaning that you're attaching to your drinking, you can just see it all so much more clearly. And I hope I'm explaining this well. It's kind of a tough thing to explain. It's pretty abstract. But I have done this exercise over the last two years of pausing my drinking, of detaching I'm good or bad if I don't drink or drink, and just saying, drinking is drinking. I never have just one. It's just how it is. And I accept that. And in accepting that, it actually helps me stay away from alcohol. And here's why. Because remember what's on my facts list. When I drink, it's never just one. Therefore, I know for a fact, if I were sitting here right now and I poured my very favorite drink, I don't even know what it would be anymore. My go-to was always Tito's in a large mason jar with a lot of ice, a really, really strong pour of Tito's with some um, coconut LaCroix on top and fresh grapefruit juice drizzled over the top. But I know, I know, I know neutrally as a fact that if I had that one drink right now, I would want more. Because remember how I explained to you the science of why alcohol will always need more alcohol. 
And I know for me, over drinking kicks right in, I'm having fun and I won't be stopping at one. Alcohol releases the dopamine, which artificially activates the pleasure center of your brain. Your brain tries to compensate, which leads to your tolerance. Then it numbs your pleasure center, which damages your prefrontal cortex, which decreases your ability to say no. That's just alcohol doing its job. Your drinking isn't good or bad. Alcohol is the enemy. That sounds so dramatic, right? Stop making it mean something. So maybe you can say this without hesitation. Maybe you can say, like me, I overdrink. That's how I explain it to people. I never call myself an alcoholic. I disagree with so many of the labels out there. I refuse to use them. I don't like the word addiction. I don't like any of it. And you don't have to agree with me. I know Alcoholics Anonymous certainly wouldn't agree with me. And that's totally fine. For me, what works is saying, I don't need to label this behavior. It just is. I just overdrink. That's it. I'm not ashamed of it. It's just something I do. It's not me. It's the alcohol. And it just is. And you might be listening and saying, how irresponsible to not take responsibility for overdrinking. Why though? Why do I need to take responsibility for alcohol doing its job? I just got caught up with the wrong thing. It's like that, that friend, that friend of your, of your kids that's like a bad influence. Like I just got caught up with the wrong Joe and <laughs> Joe wants me to keep drinking and I'm just going to keep drinking. Like I can step away from that. But I don't need to take that on like it makes me a bad person. I don't need to label myself and I don't need to attach judgment to what I've done. And it's really helped me, you guys. And I hope that this episode is is really crystallizing why I can say that now. Because once I neutralized how I thought about my drinking and I said, it's not me, it's the alcohol, I was able to just keep clinging to that truthful statement about my drinking. Again, my facts list, it's never just one. And that's usable information. It's neutral information. It doesn't involve you needing to judge yourself or label yourself. Because I know something about you. You're just showing up every day doing your very best. And what is taught in our culture today is that alcohol cures everything. Alcohol makes your problems go away. Alcohol, you need alcohol to do the hard things in life. What a lie that is. It's basically saying, I'm so weak that I need alcohol to do the tough things in life. And I have to tell you, you are so much stronger than you might think. And if you're finding yourself in a hole right now where you're really wrestling with this idea of wanting to not drink, but then when it comes down to the choice every single time, you choose to pour that glass. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not broken. You're not beyond repair. And there's nothing holding you back from true change if you really want it. It would be my honor to be there for you if this is something that you would like support on. So now I'm gonna turn this to you. So let's pretend this is a private coaching session. So what I would ask you to do for your homework, which after every 45 minute call, 
I give clients homework that I send in an email to them along with a recording of our session that they can listen to again if they want. Some of the points that we talked about so you can review that and have it forever. And then optional homework to practice some of the ideas that we've discussed. So your homework today is this. I want you to sit and think about one truth that you can put on your facts list that you've learned from your years of field research and drinking. What's one thing that you know is true if you drink? Like I said, one of mine is it's never just one. Another one is I know if I start drinking, it's almost guaranteed I won't feel well tomorrow. So write down one truth that you've learned from your drinking that you can say is on your facts list when it comes to drinking or why you don't want to drink. And the second part of this homework is how can we make that prescriptive? How can we make that item on your facts list something that fuels your alcohol-free or alcohol-moderated journey? What would it be? My example of it's never just one, the prescriptive information from that is if I have one, I'm going to have a bunch and I don't want to have a bunch because I don't want to feel sick tomorrow. It's that simple. It's not complicated. But this all starts with learning to neutralize how we think about the way we drink. I'm so glad we got to do this today. Listen, everybody knows word of mouth is the best advertising. So if you liked what you heard, follow, share, leave a review. And there's so much more where that came from. Go to shejustglows.com to read words of encouragement and inspiration that you just might need today. There you'll also learn about my work as a life coach and how we can work together. My publications have been viewed more than 4 million times by moms around the world. We have such an amazing community. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and well, that's all I got right now. I've decided I'm too old for TikTok. Remember, you've got this. You are enough. I'll see you next time. And until then, you glow girl.